If you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn to the book of Zechariah chapter 4, next to the last Old Testament book, we've got some other places that we may read here in just a little bit. But I want to focus this morning on the book of Zechariah chapter 4. And I want to skip down to the 8th verse. And I want to read down through the 10th verse. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. In other words, a work was started. And notice the promise it's made. It's also going to be finished. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel, which those seven, they are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro through the whole earth. This morning, I want you to think about this. Big things come in small packages. Sometimes we think about churches that are small. Sometimes you may look at your life and think that it's just a small thing. Matter of fact, we live in a world that's all about big, super bows. We're about World Series and World Cups. We're, we're all about things that are large and big. Our world today thinks that if it's not mega, it's not huge, and these things don't happen, then it must not be godly. For I want you to notice again the 10th verse. For who hath despised the day of small things? There was a foundation that was laid for the building of the temple. And you know what happened to the people in the community? At the writing of this particular verse, people were laughing. Laughing that there was small progress being made. You would think that if, that if God had laid a foundation for a building, that if you'll, know, if you'll do the math, 17 years had passed. And that's a long time, 17 years had passed. And you know what the people started doing is? Well, God, if this is your work, how come there's such small progress? Aren't you glad today that God doesn't have the same measuring stick that our society does? Let me word that a little bit different. To our world today, they may look at a board that's about how many numbers do you have and how many people do you have and how long were you at church and how long did the preacher preach and we're all about measuring, 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 folks. I believe that there's something happening in the lives of human beings that cannot have any kind of a physical measurement that we have. We talk about how we measure things in standard and metric units, but I'm telling you, I'm talking about a heavenly measurement today that God is working. And here that there was a there was a rebuke that was going out to the people in the community because that they had despised the building of the temple. If you was to go by a place and you was to see somebody begin to, to put a foundation in and then they just stopped, you would think, well, that's small progress. Some people might look at a congregation and think, well, that's just a small congregation or there's small things that happen. Matter of fact, you don't have to turn over and read, but I'll read to you real quick if I can. You can turn if you want. James 3 and verse 3. Listen to this. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth. How big is a bit compared to the rest of the horse? 
You want to talk about big things that come in small packages. For behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. And we can turn, he said, their whole body because of a little bit. Today, do you believe that, that, that there's power in smallness? I believe in that. Notice what he said in the fourth verse. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small hymn, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great matter a little fire kindleth. So for 17 years, people had drove by and they had looked at this establishment or this building, or in this particular case, a rebuilding process. There's something I want to tell you about today. Do not give up hope because things are not happening as fast as you want. This morning, churches cannot get to a place of impatience and thinking, you know what, things aren't happening the way that I want. They're not happening in the manner that I want, in the speed that I want. There simply comes a time that why do we despise small things? And that's what our scripture is reading about today. It's reading, we read to you about it, and we talk about today that, that, that there's, a, that there's a, a lack of interest in seeing God and how He's working. Go back to that ninth verse again. Look at the promise that God had made. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that God keeps His promises? Do you believe that God keeps His promises? If God said, I'm going to rebuild the temple, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get rebuilt. And you guess whose timetable it's going to happen on? It's going to happen on God's. Folks, Let's start with salvation. You cannot force salvation in the life of an individual. It has to happen on God's timing. Churches that experience growth, and I mean a spiritual growth. Now, I believe in physical growth. I don't, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that if you've got a, a large congregation, you're not a New Testament church. What I am saying is, is that there's a place for everything in the, in the kingdom and the purpose of God. But just because things don't happen the way we want, do all of a sudden we become secular, that we might grow? But you know what today? In God's time, He is going to finish the work that He has begun. If God has begun a work in you, I believe He's going to finish that work. I know we get impatient. I know that we want to, uh, to, to try to hurry things along. But God made a promise in that ninth verse. The hands of Zerubbabel hath laid the foundation of this house. His hands also shall also finish it. You see, this foundation was important. He said it was a work that was started... He said, it's a work that's going to be finished. Now, I've never been in a build a new house phase in my life. I've never been in that stage. But you know, when people are building something, or I mean, there's a huge renovation type, there's excitement and anticipation that, that look at what we're starting. And could you imagine people going to work day after day after day and stopped? Maybe as they went to work day after day after day, skipped a week, went to work about three days, skipped two weeks, went to work one day. Can you just see the gradual progression that things just stopped? Folks, just because that, that things have stopped doesn't mean that God's not working. Now I say that because don't get, don't get discouraged or don't get, don't get ahead of God. Just simply wait on God because 
that I believe today that big things are going to come in small packages. Sometimes that things may be happening slowly. Sometimes it may seem small and minute. But I believe today that God is working in the lives of His people. And here there was a promise that was made. The temple was being rebuilt and, and, and because of whatever opposition they might have faced or whatever challenges they faced, finally they got to a place that seemingly nothing was happening. Let me tell you right now, you may be that person that's saying, well, I don't know what's going on, but things just aren't happening. I'll tell you this, God's working. Now, we may not respond to God the way that we should, and I'll agree to that, but I will say this, God is working. What would you be like? What would your response be if for 17 years you saw nothing else done? Maybe God made a mistake. Maybe things aren't the way that you want them to be or the way that they should be. But I believe today that the Lord was sending a, a, a message today for Zerubbabel is that if God touches something and God starts uh, something, He is going to bless it and He is going to finish it. You know, we get into a time of beginning in revivals and we pray that the Lord would add it to His church. But you know, I, I, there's something I, I believe very deeply and it's not my place to add in the church. It's God's place to add into His church. And God will. God will do these things. He will add into the church the way that He desires uh, and the way that He would, would intend for these things to happen. But look at what we're reading in our Scripture. Fourth chapter in that 10th verse, it says, Who hath the despised the days of Small things. You know what I find rather troubling is that we label small sins now. You know what I mean when I say small sins? People just say, well, preacher, it's just the times we live in. It's no big deal anymore. It's just a small sin. Let's turn over to the book of 1 Corinthians for just a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 6. What's a small sin in your life? 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 says this, Your glorying is not good. And he asked a question. Know ye not that a little leaven, again we're talking about little things, big things in little packages, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You know what happens to sin? It puffs up. It spreads. It grows. You know what's amazing is you tolerate small sins today and all of a sudden your life is different and there's a whole lot more sin in your life. We should never be comfortable in accepting of sin. Now I know that society and culture may try to dictate a change or a, a shift of how you should view these things and how you should think on these things. But I'm, see, I'm showing you today that a little leaven can leaveneth a whole lump. Be, this is all talking about the church and the New Testament church and the, the church of Corinth particularly here that he's talking about is that, that if they were going to grow, they had to grow in grace, not in malice and envying and striving and all these little things that were, were growing. And I believe this morning that we have to understand that sin is a big thing. We have to understand that sin is a serious thing. And that's why in our scripture text that we're reading to you, it says, Who hath despised the day of small things? You know, a lot of people think sin is a small thing. But you know what? 
there's also a, this idea that prayer is a small thing that we do in our life. Let me ask you this. How important is prayer to you in your life? If you answer that saying, well, preacher, it's obvious that prayer is very important. Then I'm going to ask you not to tell me, but ask you a question. How much do you use it? If you believe in the power of prayer, how much do we exercise the very privilege that we have to get into the throne of grace and petition God? But maybe you're here and you don't believe that a little prayer could do much. Ask the publican that just smote his breast and said, God be merciful, meet a sinner. Well, that's not a long paragraph. That's not a whole lot that was said. But you know what? That was a small prayer that changed an eternal destination because of the condition of the prayer that was there. Folks, do not underestimate the power of a small prayer. We think that, man, this, this guy can pray for, for, for days and hours, that, that he must get in touch with God. I'm telling you something. You, you can pray for days. You can pray for seconds. It's not about the length of what you do. It's about the condition of your heart when you're doing it. Preachers can stand up and preach for hours. And you know what? It doesn't mean anything. It's, about, it's not about the length of something, the measurements and the standards that we have, but it's about is God in it? And we see here that, 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 that people think that prayer is a small thing. And that prayer is something that, that maybe we don't enjoy the way that we should. John chapter 14 and verse 12 tells us this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking. John 14 and 12. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Semicolon. By the way, listen to this. He that believeth on me the works that I do, he do also. If I was to tell you, you can do works just as powerful as Jesus, you would say, preacher, you mean to tell me I can be equal to Christ in that capacity? That's Look at the semicolon. In greater works than these shall he do. Are you telling me that I can do something greater than Jesus? What he's saying is, is that you can have a work that's going to change people around you. And it all happens because of a small prayer. For he said, because I go. Look at why these things happen. I didn't get to that part. Why does it happen? Because I go unto my Father. If you're going to do great things in life, you've got to give God a, a small prayer. Just give God a small prayer. Now you can pray long if you want to. But I don't want you to think that, that prayer is about how long it is or how many big words that you use. It's about your heart. What is the condition of your heart? For the 13th verse says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Folks, today I believe that God could bring water out of a rock. I believe in that. I believe that God could part the Red Sea when you and I are running from danger and we need God to provide for us. I believe that God is able to raise the dead. You know what? It doesn't take long prayers. It just simply means, are you going to ask and are you going to believe? I really just get stuck and I really get hung upon that verse that we can do. Uh, he says, in greater works than these shall he do. It's kind of hard to believe that there's a great work that God wants to do in us 
But God does. He wants to do these things for us. And He wants us to get to that place that we might believe in what He can provide in these small prayers. But I want to go back to Zechariah in that 10th verse. It says, Who shall despise the day of small things? I said in the beginning or a little earlier that sometimes things don't happen at the pace we want. What happens if God is at a pace and we get impatient, and you know what impatient means, we get ahead of God. Guess what we've done? Or what happens if God's moving at a pace that we don't like, then we begin to slow down, or we begin to drag behind. Sometimes we feel like that slow progress must mean that the Lord is not there with us. I thought about those in the Gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 6. His disciples were having some pretty slow progress here. Now granted, there were some things on their end of things they should do, but listen to what happened. He had just fed the 5,000. They were out and on the, uh, the boat there headed to Bethesda. And all of a sudden, the wind was blowing against them. Now I don't know how much you've gotten out on the water. But I want to tell you, if you're out in the water, it's a lot easier for your boat to go with the wind than across it or against it. It's a lot easier just to get let the tailwind get behind you, kind of push you along. But you know what was happening is, they were headed to where they were instructed to go, but while they were doing that, they were meeting a headwind. Let me ask you this, have you ever, in your life for Jesus, have you ever felt like that you're doing what He asked you to do, but you're meeting a headwind? Listen to what He said in the 6th chapter and the 48th verse. And when He saw them toiling in the rowing, in other words, the, the, the time had come in their life where they were struggling. It was about the fourth watch and it was early morning here and they were still right in the middle of the sea. They wasn't making any progress. I don't know about you and you may be totally different than Scott is, but you know what I want to say? God, if I'm going to where you want me to go, then why am I facing such a headwind? Then all of a sudden, notice what happens. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them. But don't, don't overlook the last part of this verse. Walking upon the sea. Amen, preacher. And he would have passed by them. Have you ever really noticed that? You mean to tell me that their disciples were trying to do the work of the Lord. They were meeting a headwind. They were struggling along. And He was going to walk right past them. You know what the difference is? In their small progress. In their struggles. He wanted them to know He was there. But He also wanted them to purposefully, intentionally invite Him along. Do you know what I would tell every child of God? Jesus is there. He's there with you. He's not intentionally wanting and desiring to pass you by, but what He is wanting, He is desiring for you to invite Him in. Well, things aren't happening. It's like, I keep rowing and we're going against the wind. We've done this all the night and here we are. We're, it's, the progress is slow. You know what, folks? I had rather have slow progress and Jesus pass by than for us to just speed across and we don't have the presence of God in our life. What does that mean? There are some people, instead of going where God wants them to go, 
They'll just turn and kind of go with the winds of the world and say, take me where you want to take me. That if God wanted the winds to blow that way, then that must be where He wants me to go. He had given specific directions. And today, you and I have been given instructions on what we should do and when we should do it. And there's big things in small packages. There may be small progress going on, but you know what? There's nothing any better than for them to have struggles in their life and to realize it was Jesus passing by. Aren't you glad today to know that through the smallness of the progress of things that we're reading about here in the book of Zechariah, that that even through the small progress that we are experiencing, that we can see that God is there. For he said that that there was a day who had despised the day of small things. Small churches. Maybe just a small circle that you're in. And people might say, well, if you're small, then you must be irrelevant. For 17 years, 17 years, people have looked at that foundation and they thought, well, God, you're not going to finish what you have begun. I will tell you again, God will always finish what He begins. Always. It's going to happen. God's going to do that. I want to give you some encouraging news to the church here. Folks, I believe that you're doing an amazing, wonderful, marvelous work. Don't get disheartened. Don't just give up. But continue to trust God. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to finish the work. He's going to bless us. He's going to give us the things that we stand in need of. And I believe that God wants to grant these things unto us. Matthew chapter 18. I was reading uh, some scripture the other day. In the book of Matthew chapter 18, probably some of the misquoted or understood scriptures. Matthew chapter 18, notice what we read in the 19th verse. And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. Of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now the whole purpose is it's about the church experiencing fellowship or the children of God experiencing fellowship one with another. This is talking about church discipline. But what I want you to know is if you think that we have to have others with us to have a powerful prayer, do I believe it's good when the church can can harmonize and have a prayer? Yes. Who was with Jesus when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Who was with Jesus? The Bible says he was alone. You may think that prayer can only happen when a body comes together and they all recite the same thing or they're all praying at the same time. Do not underestimate the power of a small place where it's just you and God. Do you believe in small places? That's what a closet is. When he said that that when you want to seek after God and pray, he said, enter into a closet. He said that when you do, you're going to shut the world out. You're going to get alone. It's just you and God. Closets aren't very big. But I'll tell you this, I believe a lot of lives have been changed because of closets. I believe there's people today that are saved. You may be sitting here right now because of somebody's closet. Do you have that place in your life where you can commune with God and pray for these things? Because big things, I believe, do come out of uh, of small packages and even small places. We see today that that, that God desires that we might be able to, to, to grow in Him, but we must get to that place where we just simply trust in Him. For if you haven't thought of the Scripture yet, 
It's found in Luke 17th chapter 6 verse. He says, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamore tree, be thou plucked up to the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Do you believe that there's some mighty things that come out of a mustard seed? Mustard seed's not much bigger than what we'd call a pellet or a BB. It's just a small seed about the size of a, the, the, the ball of a pen. That's about the size of a mustard seed. But you know what I love about a mustard seed is? A mustard seed is not something to look upon. It's meant to be planted. It's meant to be nurtured and taken care of. And when it does, it begins to grow. Our faith in God was not meant to be stagnant or, or in a place that doesn't grow. God wants it to grow. God wants us to experience these things. God had no intentions of stopping at a foundation. God said, if he has started it, he's going to build it. If he's going to rebuild it, God's going to finish what he's going to rebuild. God's going to do these things. But for 17 years, could you imagine the, the, the place that the people had gotten to where they thought, God, you've made a mistake, or God, you've messed up, or God, things aren't happening the way that you want. Jesus said, if you had faith is a grain of a mustard seed, he said, you could tell a sycamore tree to be plucked up, removed, and cast in the seed. He said, and it would happen. I'll read you a couple other places and I'm going to close in just a minute. Book of Micah chapter 5 says this. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephraim. By the way, when I read this verse in Micah chapter 5, it's talking about Bethlehem of Judah, which is where Jesus is going to be born. He says, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah. He said, you're small compared to all these others. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. He said, Bethlehem, he said, there's going to come a day. You know how the story goes at Christmas. There's going to come a day that a census is going to be taken and people are going to start coming into this place called Bethlehem. And he said, even though you're small, he said, the one that's going to be the ruler over all of his people is going to be born right in the midst of you. He said, even though you're small, the Savior of the world is there. Do you know what I want to tell every small gathering of people that's in a house right now? That it, maybe it's a, a, a gathering of one. Maybe it's a gathering of two or four or five. You know what I want to tell of those? That, that even in the midst of those small places, there can be a, a birth of a Savior that can change the lives of people. And that's exactly what happened. Is that there was a people that, that was assembled together when the census was being taken. There was no room in any place that you could lodge. So where did Mary and Joseph have to do? They had to go live in the, the stalls where the cattle were. And Jesus was born. And he said, even though you're small, he said, even though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah. This is Micah 5 and 2. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler of Israel whose goings forth have been from old. Today I believe that God is truly desiring, truly desiring to bless even things that seem irrelevant to so many other things. I'm going to close with the book of Isaiah. Bear with me this morning. I know I've had several verses on my heart. Isaiah chapter 10. 
Isaiah chapter 10. Skip down to the 20th verse. Now, when you read the word remnant, remember that the Hebrew word for remnant means what is left behind after a catastrophe. It's what's still left. In other words, existed before, but it's still there after a major catastrophe. Isaiah 10 and verse 20. And let's read the 20 through the 22nd verse. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel, a small sampling, and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob, shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people, Israel, be as the sand of the sea, yet as a remnant of them shall return, the consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. Do you see today God said, there's going to be a remnant. And in that remnant, He said, I'm going to be with them. So today I want to go back and read Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. For who hath despised the day of small things? If it's small, people think it's not good or it's, it's irrelevant. For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. You know what the plummet is, don't you? The plummet says that it's, it's how something is built. It's a measurement. It's what we, call, what we call a plumb bob. It's a measurement. He said he's going to take a plummet, and a plummet is just something, it's, it's a weighted weight, uh, and, it, and it kind of dangles down so that above can line up with that below. You know what I believe today? We talked about this just in a, a service the other day. Is that I believe today that God is working above and He's still building something down here below. I don't believe God's work on this earth is finished. Do you? Do you believe God's still working? Preacher, it's been 17 years since they started that foundation. God must be finished. If you're here and lost, you better be thankful God's not finished. Because God is still working. He's still working in His church and through His church. And He said, there's this plummet that starts above and it goes down below. And you know what those below get to do? They know that what they're doing is going to be built and built right because it lines up with the above. Aren't you glad today to believe in a New Testament church that has teachings and preaching that line up not with our culture or society, but teachings and preachings that line up with heaven above. Folks, to a church today that can grow by millions on top of millions, if it doesn't line up with heaven above, then I don't want to be a part of it. I'd rather be a part of something that seems small, that seems slow, but still what they do lines up above. For he said he took a plummet, and he said, and they are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro, through the whole earth. I believe today that God knows exactly where you are, who you are, and I believe God knows exactly what's going on. But the beauty of that is, is that not many people in the world know what's going on right here. I don't know what the exact latitude, longitude is of this spot. There is an exact spot. But I'll tell you this, I believe heaven knows exactly where we are. You can tell some people your address, your, your zip code, and 
We don't even know whether which zip code we're in here. We're right on the line. Matter of fact, we're right behind the church. Some people don't have a clue where we're at, but I'll tell you this, God knows. Today, do you feel like God's working in your life and that, 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 that He's trying to show you something? If so, would you just listen to Him and do what He would bid you to do? I want us to get a song. That's what I've had on my heart.